All right, we're live um, in one of the absolute dumbest ways possible, um, to say the least. I just, I cannot believe um, what we just went through to get get live. I'm an idiot. I didn't realize the recording device wasn't recording. I didn't realize, which is the setup to the microphone. It's off to the side here. And of course, now I'm adjusting levels and it's all just an absolute disaster because I'm the idiot here. Um, so I appreciate you guys. Uh, coming back and watching this um, if you did thank you so much thank you for your continued support as I'm fiddling around I gotta learn how to do if anybody knows how to do audio boards I gotta learn it because it's just a it's a mess out here with my mixer um, but all right we're here to talk a little NFL football NFL divisional week football um, Michael isn't here obviously it is a um uh, we just had a power outage yesterday, and so we couldn't record yesterday, and I figured I would just come on live and, and do something here for you guys. So I appreciate you um, listening to this a little later um, than we normally would. Um, so thank you for that. Um, we very much appreciate that here at the Trophy Kids podcast. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the games and, and get you on your way to help help bet this weekend as we've been kind of red hot here. Um, so... Let's start out with the first game. Jacksonville Jaguars, Chiefs, the line is 8.5. Over-under is 52.5. Chiefs are obviously the favorite team. And this game is super interesting, um, mainly because of I'm interested to see what Trevor Lawrence does and Doug, Doug Patterson does against this Spagnola defense, which whole philosophy is don't bend, don't break. Or bend, don't break, sorry. <laughs> God, it's, it's a late night. It's 11 o'clock already. Um and so with that philosophy, it requires Trevor Lawrence and Doug to be creative and to take what is being offered to you um, by this Chiefs defense. And that is something where this is a team where Trevor Lawrence especially prefers to see man. He doesn't do as well against typical zone defenses, especially the two high shell, or two high shell defenses that he's going to see here with the Chiefs. It's going to require some creativity um, in hitting kind of the short stuff. Um, and that could be a problem because the Chiefs, I think, are going to put them in a spot where they're really going to want to panic and kind of put their foot to the pedal and, and go because it's going to be really hard for the Jaguars to come up with stops. Like, if we're just being honest about it, I don't know really how the Jaguars consistently stop this Chiefs defense to give their offense a chance to play the type of style they want to play because this Jaguars defense has done nothing but decline since this sort of like the start of the season. Um, it started off well and it's kind of continually gone downhill. And then on top of that, they don't do a good job of protecting the middle of the field. Um, Travis Kelsey eats in the playoffs. He's an absolute monster in the postseason. Andy Reid is a phenomenal play caller. As we know, he is going to absolutely be in his bag for this game. The middle of the field is absolutely going to be attacked and shredded by this Chiefs offense. So the Jags really sort of have to hope that maybe the the turnover bug Patrick Mahomes shows up. The guy who is kind of, you know, messing around a little bit, playing with his food, trying to force things um, to really show up here for them to have a chance to stay within this game. Um, but because there's a real chance for the Jaguars offense to at least be creative here and, and kind of stick within this maybe if they don't panic uh, and they play smart. I haven't done anything with the total or the spread straight up. I have put the Chiefs in a teaser. I teased them through the three um, at two and a half. 
and put them in there with the Bengals earlier when they were at four and a half to bust them up to the, the 10 spot um, and blow them through the seven. And then I had put the Eagles, which we'll talk about, and, and tease them down to one and a half. Uh, but I haven't done anything with the totals here. Um, I have played a couple props, Travis Kelsey's props I have taken a look at and done. Tooney's props, I think, are going to be an underrated one this week. I think that this could be a week for him really to shine, especially in the slot here. Um and Andy Reid to get creative with him. And so I, I I haven't pulled the trigger just yet, but that is one that we'll probably go ahead and bet this week um, because I, I just I struggle as I was breaking this game down in trying to find some positivity here for the Jags. I, I just don't see how this defense really keeps up with this Chiefs offense. I, I just, unless, unless there's pure anarchy and Patrick Mahomes is playing like an idiot and he's, back to his like turnover bug which he's good for every once in a while like you know Patrick Holmes is a phenomenal player he's probably the MVP candidate he's arguably the best quarterback in the league but there are times where he'll kind of throw a stinker out there and you always kind of wonder is this him just kind of playing with his food where he knows they're so much better that he's going to try some things and he's going to be creative we'll see in the playoffs um but I just think they're going to scheme this up so well it's going to put the Jags in a super tough spot the Jags are then going to want to push the ball more and you're just not going to be able to do that as much against this Chiefs defense because they're this defense has been built to kind of not give up the explosives and to keep everything in front of them and their whole philosophy is bend, don't break. And we're willing to give you the short stuff if you want to take it. Um, but we're going, we're not going to let the big explosive happen on us all the time here. And Chris Jones in the middle has been absolutely dominating in the trenches. I mean, that man is playing unreal football in the trenches right now. So, I like I said, I haven't done anything with either side straight up. Prop markets, I think, a way to play this game. Maybe even a Chiefs team total. Um, would be a way to maybe attack this, um, but it, it it's going to be an int- it's interesting because I, I'm very fascinated to see what Doug and Trevor have up their sleeves for this game, and we know that Doug has done a great job in this underdog role in the postseason before. The eight and a half number scares me a little to take the Chiefs um, at eight and a half because I I think especially there could be some backdoor action here, um, and I think like I said I think the Jags have a, a shot. It's just they can't panic early. Trevor Lawrence, he's not going to probably get a lot of man opportunities, which he this offense thrives on. You playing man defense, they want you to man up on their guys. Um, he's just got to play smart football, and I think he's totally capable of that now. Now, if this if this was at the beginning, if we had beginning of the year, Trevor, I would say this is going to be an absolute train wreck of a game. But end of the season, Trevor Lawrence is playing smart. He's playing with confidence. He understands Doug's offense now which we know is a, a thing where quarterbacks take a little time um, to really kind of meld and mold into that offense and what Doug wants to do with the football. And he's running it really well, and he's playing well, and he's playing smart. And he's starting to become the leader and the player that a lot of people thought he could be. Now we'll see, you know, what they do here. This is going to be a big step up in clash for them. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a tough game, um, I think, for for this Jags defense, to say the least. All right, let's move on to the Giants-Eagles. I mean, I don't know what the NFL was doing with this one where they gave Philadelphia a home game at 8-16 on a Saturday. That is going to be the drunkest city in America. That jail in Lincoln um, Stadium is going to be filled to the brim with Philly fanatics because that is a day-drinking event where you don't have work the next day or you don't have to take off. It's just Sunday. You're sitting around on your couch. 
Philly's going to burn down to the ground tomorrow. <laughs> but they've got an interesting task in front of them. And they this game is super interesting because of the defensive coordinators that are featured in this. And both these offenses, I think, chomping at the bits, hoping that these defensive coordinators do not change their schemes. And these are two guys that are incredibly stubborn and probably won't change their schemes. And that makes this game super fascinating. So let's start with the Giants' offense and Eagles' defense, first the Eagles' defense. If you've been a loyal listener to this podcast, you know our feelings about Brian Dable. We absolutely love the man. I have been screaming to anybody that will listen for the last couple of years that this dude deserved a coaching job, and when he finally got it, it was going to be the great move for that franchise and exactly what they needed. And he stayed within the state, and he got a lesser version of what he had in Buffalo from a quarterback perspective, but a similar skill set. Now, Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen from a raw talent port, uh, perspective. But what he can offer you allows you to coach up and run similar schemes. And what do I mean by that? It's perfect for this game because what Brian Dable and his offensive staff have done, and they've done a really good job of this, is coaching up Daniel Jones to play within the scheme, to take what defenses um, are giving you to be more methodical. You don't have to win the game on every throw. You can throw the you can throw the ball away, and we've seen his throwaway percentage go up, and his turnovers come down, and live for another day um, type of scheme here, and use him as a designed runner, which they're starting to do more, and there's going to be opportunities here because Gannon's whole philosophy for the Eagles is. My dudes in the trenches and up front in the linebacking court are better than your guys's. We can win naturally, and we don't have to blitz a ton. And then we can kind of step back, similar to what we were talking about with the Chiefs, and not give up explosives. And we're willing to give you some of the short stuff. And if you're going to take it, we dare you to take it. We don't think you're going to have the time to do it. We think you're going to be stupid with it. And you're not going to capitalize on it. And this is where the Giants have to be really smart. They cannot use high rates of play action like they've been doing all season. Um, because I don't think they're going to have time with that offensive line in the way this this Eagles defensive line can get after them. They've got to let Daniel Jones get the ball out quick. they got to run a lot of underneath stuff. They've got to take advantage of those small, middle to short pass pockets that they're going to have. And I totally think they're going to do it because like Brian Dable and his offensive staff have shown, they are willing to adapt week to week. They are fantastic from scheming-wise. They are better. Brian Dable is better each time he faces you. The numbers between the first time he faces you versus the second time are drastically different. Now this will be his third time going up against this defense. I totally have faith that this job Giants offense is going to come out prepared to face this Eagles defense. It's just whether or not this Eagle defense throws them a curveball and gives them something different than expected and changes their look and plays a little bit more man up front um, and is a little bit more aggressive with them. We'll see. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. But if they do that, then that changes this dynamic. But I think that's going to be a real fun matchup there. And then you flip the side of the ball, and I think there's a really fun matchup here. Now, a lot of this depends on the health of Jalen Hurts and where that shoulder is at. But Wink, we talked about last week, is one of the most stubborn defensive coordinators there is in the league. It's the reason the Ravens eventually moved on from him, and that is because he loves, 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 loves like nothing else in the world to blitz and play man coverage behind. The Giants have one of the highest rates of blitz in the NFL. I think they are the highest rate. We said last week, we looked it up, highest rate of blitz percentage in the NFL, and they love to play man behind that. And you cannot do that against this Eagles team. You do not have the guys to run man against this offensive weapons that the Eagles present. They are going to carve you like a Thanksgiving Day turkey if you do that. 
A.J. Green will shred you again. These guys are going to win their one-on-ones, and Jalen Hurts is going to kill you, especially if that shoulder is good and can actually have some zip on the ball this week. He's going to murder you. Um, And if they use his legs a little bit more and he's willing to kind of move around in the pocket and maybe have some more designed runs, it's going to be a disaster, a train wreck on that side of the ball if he's healthy. So Wink, I think, in this Giants defense, if they mix in a little bit more, trying to get more natural pressure, dropping guys back, mating, making Hurts go through his reads, having to attack the middle of the field, protecting the boundaries, and kind of layering some zone in there, that can present a challenge, and we've seen that with Hurts. I fear that the Giants aren't going to do that, though, defensively, and that is why I have not bet them, and I have bet the Eagles in a spread, or not a spread, in a teaser bet. I haven't taken a side straight up in this one either. Um, there's too much volatility there. I, the total's starting to get bet around, too, and that number's starting to get played with um, within the market, which I would generally like, um, I think, for this game, because I think this this could have some high scoring there a little bit, but it's it's not exactly where I like it right now. So the only thing I've done with this game is I have teased the Eagles down in a teaser bet to that one number because I just think at the end of the day they have more dudes. Um, it's going to be super interesting too if, if the Giants, I, I would have to imagine they're going to attack Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson is extremely banged up. He is playing through a lot. The rumors are he's going to need off-season surgery. Um so I think they're going to have to test him early and see where he's at because what we have seen is when Lane Johnson is not functional or when he is out, this is a much different Eagles offense. He is truly the most, almost important player outside of Jalen Hurts on this offense. And I, that sounds crazy, but you we've you can look up all the numbers and it is startling the difference of what this offense does with Lane Johnson in versus when he's not in. Um, so that is part of it as well. So that's where we're that game. Um, Buffalo Bills, Bengals. Line is at five and a half right now. Bills are the favorite over under 49 and a half. This line has been on the move. It opened at four and a half. I threw it in a teaser at four to bust it past the 10. So we, we broke through the seven and the 10 with that. It has moved at various places up to as high as six. Um, this is another great reason why you should be line shopping. You shouldn't just be loyal to one book. Uh, trust me, I... I have a hard time with that because there is one book I tr- I primarily bet through, but I have accounts with all of them, and I do do some line shopping because occasionally you can get a better number at a, another book, and you absolutely should in today's day and age when, depending on the states you're in, you have a plethora of books to go to, and you might be able to grab a six at some point this weekend um, before this game opens if on either the Bills, if you're looking to back the Bengals, and if you're looking to back the Bills, then you, know, you might get a five and a half or potentially lower if the number comes down back to where it opened at, at four and a half, which I don't think it's going to do because I, I believe that betters and the public and the media are too hyper-focused on the offensive line issues for the Bengals. And I think this is a problem because I think it, it it's a fair evaluation to make. But at points when we're starting to get to six, I think we're overvaluing that aspect. Because you have to remember here, this offensive line was not good last year. It was shoddy at best. And they made it to the Super Bowl. And they did that because Joe Burrow is incredibly good at making pre-snap reads of your defense, having great faith in his guys, understanding because his prep work is so good that he can get the ball out quick, he's decisive with the ball, and he knows where to go with it. And we've seen that once again this season. We saw it last week where he stepped up his rates, um, pass rates, and where he was getting the ball out even quicker, and he already has a quick um, release time. 
And so that's going to help neutralize some of these issues, as well as the Bengals currently have had a drop-off this year in play action. They're not running it as much, which normally we'd be saying running more play action, but here is a, a spot where you don't want to do that. Um, you want Zach Taylor should be running a little bit more pre-motion, uh, pre-snap motions to help kind of identify the defensive coverage and tip it off a little bit here. But so you've got Joe Burrow, who's really good at getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He's used to playing with a bad offensive line. Yes, they invested all this money in the offensive line this offseason and assets. So you wanted to see them have that, um, but they don't. But he's he's used to that. And then you also have to pair that with the Bills defense is not what I think a lot of people are hyping it up to be. There has been a sharp drop off in their ability to get pressure since Von Miller was injured. It has steeply declined since then blitzing wise they're not getting home as much natural pressure they're definitely not getting there as much it, it's it's not great and you have a banged up secondary a lot of injuries in your secondary your best corner white is not fully back I mean I placed a heavy wager on that Monday night game based off one of the first couple series where you, I saw just Jamar Chase was so much quicker off the line than him and right in that moment I knew this could be a long game um, now due to some unfortunate circumstances we're all aware of that game did not finish but you saw it in the first series, and in the second series, it looked like the Bengals were going to put up 14 points right on two series because they were ultra-aggressive. Joe Burrow was getting the ball out of his hands. He knew where to go with it based on the defense he was seeing. He had ultimate faith in his guys to win their battles um, against a banged-up secondary, and that's what we got here. And so I think once we start to get to the six range, even at five and a half, I don't hate buying the point up, um, and I'm not a big buying the point guy up. Just see where it goes right now. I think we're starting to over overplay the hand of, oh, this line's bad. They're not going to be able to move the ball offensively. I, I just think at that point where that play is being overvalued. And then we flip the side of the ball, though, and this becomes really interesting because by now everybody's saying the same thing, which we've been saying for weeks. We, were, we weren't the first to catch on to this trend, but we were certainly on the earlier side that Lou makes phenomenal adjustments defensively. But unfortunately, it's becoming harder and harder to do that as depth becomes a real question mark for this team. Losing a Wouzier in the secondary has been a huge, huge downgrade for the Bengals. Because while Eli Apple is trying his absolute best, he is not the best replacement there. Um, and while uh, Britt is playing well or better... Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought here. That's not great on my part at all. Um, Taylor Britt has been playing great. Sorry, just completely blanking there. Um, I watched too much Nebraska football last year for that to happen. Um, he was one of you know, my real high points of the draft for them, and we're seeing exactly why. He's a guy that is not afraid to come up make, make a play. He's always got his nose around the football. It was the same thing in Nebraska. He's physical, but he's a rookie, and he's he's played well. But it's no substitute for having your top guy in a Wouzier out and starting to see some injuries in the back end and not being able to manufacture pressure like you were earlier in the season. Now, they can still do it, and some of those pressure metrics when you look at the season total are a little skewed because DJ Reader missed some time, and he is really the most important part on that defensive line. And they can still generate some pressure, but it's certainly declined. Now, the benefit is they have great linebackers to help them cover here. The problem is is they are not going to play a full four quarters with this offense for the Bills. So it comes down to what Josh Allen we get. Josh Allen's been a bit of a wild card. And I think this, we we mentioned it last week, and we've mentioned it a couple times over the season, in that kind of Brian Dable effect and him leaving. Brian Dable did a really great job 
of helping coach up Josh Allen and what he's doing with, with Daniel Jones right now and that philosophy of live for another day. We saw a decrease this year in Josh Allen's throwaway rate, especially in the red zone. And we saw an increase into turnovers, fumbles and interceptions. The total package of turnovers has increased. And I put that on the Brian Dable effect. Ken Dorsey's a great offensive coordinator, um, but the scheme hasn't molded week to week like it would with Dable. Josh Allen is starting to get some more, go back to some more of his bad habits he had early in his career. Now, it may not all be on that because I think there's also a strong argument that Josh Allen might know something internally about this offense that we're not picking up as much, and that is sort of this feast versus famine argument, which is sort of there because we have seen, especially of late, the Bengals' offense struggle to put together and string together multiple sort of methodical drives. They are very much reliant on big plays, and they're going to have opportunities in this game. Diggs is going to have plenty of opportunities here. And so... There's a part of me that wonders, is Josh Allen forcing throws, holding onto the ball longer? Because in his mind, he doesn't have full faith in the capabilities of this offense to put together big drives. So it is kind of that mentality of we got to take advantage of this situation. I got to try to force something here. Could also be part of it. Could also be part of the elbow and not fully feeling confident in his game and his abilities and, and sort of forcing things. But we have seen that now. The benefit and the the advantage the Bills are going to have, and they have done this smartly, but they have unleashed him here, is they have started to use Josh Allen's legs more. And that is going to be an enormous factor in this game. Because if they have some more designed runs, and they're being effective on the ground, it is going to open up wonders for this passing game. And there's going to be some real opportunities for the Bills to have some big strikes in this game. Because this secondary, they're just not keeping up with this group. They're just not for a full four quarters. They might for three of the quarters. They might for two of the quarters. I don't know, but there are going to be a lot of opportunities. And it is that Awuzier factor of him not being in the rotation right now. That is really struggling for them. But like I said, I th- from a betting perspective, I've put money on the Bengals. I haven't re-entered yet because I'm waiting to see where this number goes. I'm hoping I'm going to get a six again, and then I'm going to pounce on that and kind of hammer that. I put this game more at a field goal um, for the Bengals, Bills. So I, I, I do like their opportunities here because, like I said, I think the market is underestimating just how used the Bengals' offense is used to functioning with a, a bad offense line. And I think there's also the narrative that they have struggled which is not unfault or not untrue. They have struggled the last couple of weeks in generating offense, but it's against the Ravens team that always plays them tough. That is a, an interdivisional rivalry. That is uh, a defense that has sort of had their number just as they've had their number. And then the Bucks game, yes, wasn't great, but also didn't match up well, wasn't doing the best offensively. And it, it's going to require a full effort, a good play calling game from Zach Taylor, which, God, we know that's risky. Um, I think you got to put the faith in Joe Burrow to make a lot of at-the-line decisions, mix in a lot of pre-snap motions, and there are going to be opportunities because he has ultimate faith in his guys. And you got the Bills are eventually going to have to pick their poison on this one because they don't have the guys on the outside to play man-on-man for them for a full game. So it's do you give help to Chase or do you give help to White with, over the top to protect against Chase? And then you can motion chase to the other side and open that up. He's going to win his one-on-one battles. Higgins is going to win his one-on-one battles. It's If the Bengals are aggressive here, like they were on Monday night, 
they've got a real shot, but they have to stay aggressive because all the Bills want to do is for them not to come out aggressive, play this play defense, really slow down the game here, use Josh Allen's legs, um, and just kind of play from behind or play with a lead, which they can do. And so we'll see. It'll be interesting. I put money on on the Bengals. We'll see if I buy more into them. They're in a teaser bet, like I said, um, where I teased them up. Uh, when they were at four and a half, now they're at five and a half with the teasing the Eagles down, the Chiefs down, um, and we'll see what we do um, with the number where it goes. If it, if you get a six, though, I'm I'm taking the six on the Bengals all day, every day, um, from here until Sunday. So, final game, wrap it up. Cowboys, 49ers. Line is at three and a half. 49ers are favored over under 46 and a half. This is a great matchup, folks. I mean, this is great. The game within the game, Dan Quinn versus Kyle Shanahan, is phenomenal. We have the narratives. Kyle Shanahan was Dan Quinn's offensive coordinator. They both know each other's schemes pretty well. Now, Kyle Shanahan has advanced his a little bit more, but so has Dan Quinn. Um, And that battle is going to be absolutely awesome. The Cowboys, similar to the Bengals, are going to benefit if they are ultra-aggressive early because you want this game to be put into Brock Purdy's hands. Brock Purdy has been fantastic for a third-string quarterback, last pick of the draft, to come in and play the way he's played. And he has presented a better opportunity for the 49ers than Jimmy Garoppolo in the sense that he can extend plays a little bit more with his feet but Jimmy's been better at kind of knowing the system, stepping up into the pocket and, and throwing a dart when he needs to. Um, but Brock's been fantastic because Brock has figured out the system and they've tailored the system to him. And the system is pretty simple. When we call on you to throw the ball, just know where to go with it. We're going to scheme the guys open, hit them in stride because that's what our offense relies on is a bunch of yak and getting scheming guys open and we'll be good. We're not going to make you push the ball against the sidelines a ton and have you make some deep shot throws a bunch to win us the games. We're going to keep this game with our great defense, with our great run schemes. We're going to need you to play good, to not throw a bunch of turnover-worthy throws, play within the system, hit guys in stride, and that's what he's been doing. And they've been picking up great yak, and it's been working very, very well. And he's done a fantastic job. It's not easy. It's, it's. I we make it sound simple, but we've seen this 49ers offense really struggle without Jimmy G in there because guys come in and they just they don't work within the system, and this system collapses. And Brock Purdy's done a fantastic job of playing within the system. I think the Cowboys are going to put a lot on his shoulders because I think the formula is simple: kind of load the box and and put it on Brock Purdy and be aggressive offensively. Because this is a fantastic run game that has really gotten going with Christian McCaffrey understanding it and the complexities of the run blocking scheme. And now that he understands it and where to go, it's a very electric game. You flip the side of the ball. This is where things become a little bit more dicey for the Cowboys. And we hope they stay aggressive. But I think we're relying too much on last week's sample size and not a full one. Last week was a top three QBR game for Dak Prescott. The matchups they had advantage, and I owe the uh, the listeners an apology, and I'll talk more about this next week when I have my co-host on because we really want to go in on my bucks and, and the absolute disaster they've been all season and the, the coaching just shit show that it has been. Um, but they had matchups, and they took advantage of it, and Kellen Moore was fantastic. He identified the real weak spot on this Bucks. 
defense, which was the middle of the field. The line, Outside of Lante David, there was not really great coverage on the linebacking core. You could attack the middle of the field with your slot wide receivers, which C.D. Lamb lines up in the slot more than he does anywhere else, and uh, Schultz at the tight end, and you could really open up this offense, as well as there's rumors out there that Kellen Moore figured out what the hand signals were for the Bucks. No surprise there, because this coaching staff lacked any sort of attention to detail all season. It was just an absolute mockery down there. Um, and Todd Bowles deserves so much of the blame. I mean, there are guys that are born to be coordinators and there are guys to be born to be head coaches. And he was born to be a coordinator. He's a phenomenal coordinator. He's a fantastic person. Just not a good head coach. Sample size is out there. I'm glad we fired Leftwich. The decline in the off or in the offense has been staggering this year. As soon as we lost Bruce, I mean, we dropped out of a top three offense, which we had been the last three years to a tw- 25th in scoring. We are top three in scoring the last three years with Leftwich's OC. He's been there four years, and this year we're top 25. Only difference really was losing Bruce and you just being incompetent and not understanding schemes week to week, and attention to detail was lacking as we were hearing rumors come out that there was real frustration on Brady's part there. Um, and I think that really led into the heavy hand of firing because we very much want Brady back. We're getting off topic. Um, that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about it more in details next week. But Callum Moore schemed it up well. He did. But who do you trust more? I trust DeMarco Ryan on, uh, on the 49ers defense more than I trust Callum Moore. Um, the 49ers defense has started to show some cracks. They are starting to slip. Um, there are certain, certainly a, availability for them, especially to attack them outside wide um, and on the sidelines. Um, the linebacking core is fantastic in San Fran. It's tough to attack the middle of the field. It's doable, just tougher. Um, but I think Dak's going to have to really step up in this game um, and not kind of show the sample size that he did previous to the Bucks game where he was starting to struggle. And the other factor is here is, is the NFL did the winner of that Bucks cowboys games no favors. And the, the Cowboys have traveled a ton. Their last two regular season games were away games. Then they traveled to Tampa. They get a short week this week, and then they got to travel out to the West Coast to face the 49ers here. Like, the travel part of this and the endurance part of this, it's all not lining up great. Now, I haven't made a play yet. I am leaning towards the 49ers here, but I kind of like the under at 46.5. I think that will probably be more my play is the 46.5 under. Haven't hit any of it yet. We'll tweet it out on Trophy Kids Podcast what the official play will be for this game. Um, I lean 49ers. I sort of like the under here, but like I said, we'll tweet it out. Make sure you're following at Trophy Kids Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this quick breakdown. Sorry to get it too late. Like I said, my power went out yesterday. Didn't turn on until super late. By that time, me and Michael couldn't hop on and record. We'll be back next week to help break it down. We're going to talk about some of the uh, transactions that have been happening from firing coaches and stuff. Uh, but we hope you have a great week. Hope you enjoyed the content. Thank you for continuing to be a loyal listener, and we'll see you next week.